And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ. Comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Although, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Honey Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360 will meet the amateur detective who's an enemy to those who make him an enemy, friend to those who have no friend on Boston Blackie from 1946. Then Ronald and Benita Coleman star in part one of a comedy episode of The Halls of Ivy from 1950. First, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. Dimply. Well, it's good to be here. It's yeah. another Hollywood 360 day. Yeah, and Mike Costello's here as well. <laughs> hello, and, hello. And uh, what's going on? Oh, good. Yeah? Yeah. Well, you want to listen to my favorite radio series of all time? If it's your favorite, then I do. Yeah, I picked this because <laughs> I feel like listening to Boston Blackie. Just love Boston Blackie. And uh, this is a show called The Three Witnesses Killed. It's from June 4th, 1946. Dick Kalmar stars now part one of Boston Blackie. Dr. Austin, I just won't believe it. I know my grandfather was murdered. But that's impossible, Linda. Your grandfather was in a hospital bed, attended by several doctors, I among them, Mm. when he died. Yes, I know that. But just the same, I know that Joe Reed killed him. Linda, you'll have to face the facts. I know as well as you do that Joe Reed hated your grandfather. But your grandfather died a natural death. He suffered from heart trouble for 18 years. It was his heart that killed him. No, Doctor. Joe Reed killed him. I know it. I feel it. Why, Linda? Why would Reed kill your grandfather? You know very well why, Dr. Austin. Grandfather left him $50,000 in his will. Well, if that's your only logic, you and I had a reason to kill your grandfather, too. He hmm? left me 25000 And uh, you get more than 100000 That doesn't make any difference. Grandfather was going to cut Joe Reed out of his will. I know it, and I think Reed knew it, too. And he killed Grandfather before he could do it. To keep him from changing his will, eh? Isn't that what you'd do, Doctor? I wouldn't commit murder for $50,000 or for any amount, and neither would Joe. No, Linda, I know you dislike Reed, but I'm afraid you can't make trouble for him. Your grandfather died a natural death. Well, I know he didn't, Dr. Austin. I know that Joe murdered him, and I'm going to prove it. How, Linda? How? I'm going to Boston Blackie. That's how. Hello? Hello, Tom. This is Bob. Oh, how are you, Bob? Fine. What's new? Oh, nothing. Just the same old stuff. Hey, uh, doing anything this weekend? No, I don't think so. Oh, yes, Mrs. Van Grifton. Oh, no, not that. Yeah. (laughs) Wants me to go up to her country home for the weekend, but... Oh, brother. I think I'll have a much better time at the... Yeah? No. Hello? Who are you? Hello, Tom. 
Put down that knife. Hello? Oh! Children! Children, don't go too far away from the door. And don't be late for supper. Where did you come from? Who are you? No. No, put down that knife. Here's the third one, Inspector Faraday. Lying right here on the dock where Patrolman Murphy found him. The third one in five hours. And all with a 10-cent store kitchen knife stuck in him. Rollins, we've got a madman on the loose. Yeah, kill him for the fun of it. This has got me, no kidding. First Tom Marshall, one of the richest men in town. Then that housewife out in Green Meadows. And now this, this bum at the waterfront. And bum is about the only identification we have on this one, Inspector. Don't know who he is, huh? No identification. Now, take him to the morgue. Maybe we'll get identification from fingerprints or dental work, if any. But we've got to work fast and grab this killer. Or we'll have another body lying around somewhere. Yeah, but how are we going to figure where this killer is going to strike next? He just picks out anybody, anywhere, and sticks a knife in him. I know, but there must be some way... Hey, who's this? You might know who it is. Blackie, what are you doing here? Looking for you. It looks as if my mission is accomplished. Hey, what do you got here? What does it look like? Hmm, stabbed, huh? No, strangled. The knife in his chest is just for effect. <laughs> Beat it, will you? I got enough trouble. Since when is one body trouble for the great Inspector Faraday? Uh, one body isn't. This happens to be the third one in the last five hours. What? Yeah, the third. And all killed in the same way. By the same type of instrument. <laughs> a ten-cent store kitchen knife. All here at the waterfront, of course? No, one of the victims was Tom Marshall. The millionaire? Yeah. Killed in his home. The second was a woman, Mrs. Harriet Jones. She was killed the same way, on a street out in Green Meadows. And now this, huh? Yeah. This one we can't even identify. You've got a problem worse than mine. I'll say I have. And don't make it any better. Stay out of it. Stay out of it, old Faraday. How can I? Three absolutely unrelated people killed the same way in three different parts of town. Tell you what, let's do. And this is going to be good. I'll take this case and you take mine. I'm trying to prove murder in the case of an old man who died of heart trouble in the hospital. Uh, look, will you quit bothering me with child's play? Child's play is awfully consistent with your mentality. Look, you get out of my sight and stay out. I've got a madman on the loose. I don't want you bothering me till I get him on the books. Where are we going, Blackie? The city hospital, Mary, to see Dr. Austin. What can he have to do with the three madman murders? Nothing, Mary. Faraday won't let me work on that case with him. He won't give me enough information so I can go to work on it myself. So? So I'm going to see what I can do for Linda Graham. Oh, Blackie, it's just nonsense to believe what she told you about her grandfather being killed. Oh, Mr. Graham died of heart trouble. I know, but she thinks a man named Joe Reed killed him. Now, how? He died in a hospital bed surrounded by doctors. I know that, too. But according to Miss Graham's story, Joe Reed was an old man Graham's secretary. Oh, something. I see. And all secretaries kill their bosses. Now, what sense does that make? <laughs> None. Reed was afraid he was going to be cut out of old man Graham's will, so he wanted to kill him before he had a chance to change that will. You say that as if you believe it. No, Mary, I don't believe it. Not yet, anyhow. But Miss Graham came to me in good faith, and I promised her that I'd do what I can for her. So? So, you're going to do what you can for her? Which is? Nothing. Well, not exactly nothing. I'm going to talk to old man Graham's doctor and to everyone else involved, but I'm afraid what I'll end up with is nothing. Well, here's the hospital. Well, here goes nothing. 
Dr. Austin? Yes, I'm Dr. Austin. I'm Boston Blackie. Now. How do you do? You won't mind if I ask you a few questions, will you? No, not at all, Blackie. In fact, I've been expecting you. You have? Yes. Linda said she was going to see you. Well, she did see me. She thinks her grandfather was murdered. Yes, yes, I know. And by Joe Reed. Uh-huh, because Joe Reed was afraid he was going to be cut out of Graham's will. Any possibility Reed murdered Graham? None whatsoever, Blackie. I treated Graham for 18 years. He died in this hospital in the presence of two other doctors, both of whom have attested that heart failure killed him. Thank you, Doctor. It looks as if Graham's death was quite all right, and Miss Linda Graham is quite all wrong. <laughs> for a pretty girl, you're awfully stupid, Miss Graham. Or is there a lot of truth in the expression, beautiful but dumb? I don't know how you have the nerve to talk to me, Mr. Reed. I didn't want to talk to you, Miss Graham. You wanted to talk to me. This is uh, my apartment, you know. And why do you even have an apartment? Because my grandfather was too kind to fire you, even after you had robbed him. I robbed your grandfather? Then why wasn't I sent to jail? Mr. Reed, you know very well why you weren't. Grandfather wouldn't prosecute. No, of course not, because he had no proof. Just as you have no proof that your grandfather died of anything but a bad heart. You killed him, didn't you? My dear Miss Graham, your grandfather's death is a matter of medical record. He was an old man who had suffered for many years from an ailing heart. His heart just stopped beating. But you wanted him to die, didn't you? I'm $50,000 richer. And I like his money much better than I liked him. But you knew he was going to cut you out of his will, didn't you? No. Did you? Yes, I did. He told me so two weeks ago, and he told you. That's why you killed him. My dear Miss Graham, must even the simplest of facts be explained to you? A heart attack killed your grandfather. No, Mr. Reed, you killed him. I don't know how, but I'm going to find out, and I'm going to prove it. Miss Graham, I'd advise you to let matters stand as they are. Stay away from me. I'd like to be amused by your accusations, Miss Graham. But your insistence is beginning to bore me. But I hate to be bored. Now get out. I'll help you here. Come, come, Oh, please. Not that bad. I think I will teach you to learn. Teacher Reed. Who are you? Blackie, I'm so glad you're here. That makes two of us. But I'm afraid Mr. Reed isn't going to make that unanimous. Blackie. Boston Blackie, I suppose. Well, both of you, get out of here. What's the matter, Reed? Want to be alone? Yes. Will you settle for being half alone? What do you mean? Miss Graham... You step out for a while, please. My car is parked down in front. You want me to leave? Well, maybe, uh, you'd better stay, Miss Graham. Changed your mind awfully fast, didn't you, Reed? Too bad you didn't change mine. Go ahead, Miss Graham. Wait for me in my car. All right, Blackie, if you say so. I'll wait there. Reed was teaching you something a minute ago, Miss Graham. Now he's going to take a lesson from the professor. I won't be long. He looks like a good student. I'll wait for you, Blackie. Now, Reed... There's only one thing I have to say to you, and that's... Hey, what did you hit me for, Blackie? I, I haven't done anything to you. That little tap was for not knowing how to talk to a lady. This one is for twisting her arm a few minutes ago. Hey, stop! Don't hit me again! Get up, you rat. I don't trust you. You're liable to crawl in your hole in the wall. Get up! You've got no right to come here and hit me. The police would oh, like to you know that you... Oh, you'll go to the police, you... will you? Maybe I ought to let you have one in advance in case you do. No, no, don't. Now, please don't. I won't go to him. I, I, I won't go near him. Reed, I didn't know why I didn't like you when I walked in here. I still don't know. But I kind of like not liking you. It uh, sort of makes me a nicer guy. Now, why don't you leave me alone, Blackie? I, I never interfered with you. 
You know, Miss Graham had an idea. You were responsible for her grandfather's death. He died? I know, I know. He died of heart failure. Her idea is that perhaps you didn't actually kill him, but you were responsible for something phony somewhere along the line. And after seeing you, I don't doubt it. Now, let me alone, Blackie. Please, let me alone. Sure. Sure, I'll let you alone. Only you've given me some cause for thought. You're so exact, so precise. Your clothes are, well, are just so. I wonder how your etiquette is. I wonder if you know the proper way to, let's say, uh, hold a knife. Linda Graham comes to Blackie to accuse Joe Reed of murdering her aged grandfather. But authoritative medical reports show the grandfather died in a hospital bed of a heart ailment he had been suffering from for 18 years. Meanwhile, Inspector Faraday is faced with a baffling trio of murders. Three people in three different parts of town and in three different walks of life are murdered in the same way and all within the space of five hours. As we return to our story, Blackie, unable to solve his case, walks into police headquarters to see how Inspector Faraday is doing with his. Hello, Rollins. How are you this afternoon? Fine, Blackie. Glad to hear it. Don't bother to announce me. I'll go right into Faraday's office. Oh, no, you don't, Blackie. The inspector doesn't want to see you. Even if he telephoned for me, Rollins? Oh, he called for you? Well, that's different. Go right in. Thanks, Rollins. Hey, wait a minute. Blackie, come back here. Did the inspector call for you? I didn't yeah. say he did, Rollins. Chance was if I he said had even if he did. Yeah, that's right, Doctor. Thanks for letting me in. Okay. Got the identification, huh? Good. Thanks, Dr. Parker. Goodbye. Oh, so it's you. Well, the same goes for you, too, Blackie. Goodbye. Now, Faraday, you know you don't mean that. You're glad to see me, aren't you? Yes, Blackie, I am. Looking at you makes me realize how lucky I am to be me. Well, lucky you. How lucky have you been with those three murders? Oh, I haven't been lucky at all. I've been smart. I got identification on the body we found at the waterfront. Yeah? Yeah. Did the dead man wake up and tell all? No. He was identified through his dental work. Oh, that's all. What dentist? None of your business. All right. I'll solve the case by tracing back the knives using the stabbing. I've already done that. They can't be traced. They're ordinary kitchen knives bought at the ten-cent stores. Every dime store in town carries them. Hmm. You just don't want me to help you, do you? I'll tell you a little secret, Blackie. What? No! Faraday, who was the dentist who identified the third thing? None of your business. Oh, come on, Faraday, please. No! Please, Faraday. No, I said! All right. But I'll tell you something else you said, Inspector. What? You were on the phone when I came in and you said, thanks lots, Dr. Parker. So what? So Parker is a doctor. A doctor can be a dentist. And I'm going to see him to get my teeth into this case. Yes, Blackie, I identified the dental work for Inspector Faraday. Dead man was Ernest Brown, a carpenter here in the building. I see. But, um... Well, do you know any reason why anyone would want to kill him, Dr. Parker? No, no, not at all. But I will tell you something. I was about to call the police when you came in. Uh, Mrs. Harriet Jones, a madman's second victim, was also a patient of mine. What? Uh, yes, Miss Presley. Oh, I know that she lived out in Green Meadows, but I used to practice out there, and, well, she got in the habit of coming to me. Well, uh, don't tell us Tom Marshall was a patient of yours, too. If he was, I'm going to faint. <laughs> well, uh, Tom Marshall wasn't a regular patient of mine. Uh, he was passing by one day, and he had a toothache, and... Saw my sign and stopped in for an emergency treatment. One day, what one day? That might have some significance. Yes, I think it does, Blackie. 
Now, that's what I was going to call the police about. It was a week ago last Friday. Well, why call the police about that? Because, Miss Wesley, a week ago last Friday, Ernest Brown and Harriet Jones were in my office, too. And all three of them were here at the same time. Well, I'd say that's interesting, but it's not. It's more than interesting. You uh, think it has direct bearing on their being murdered by this madman? I don't know. It's the first hint of a connection with the three of them. Dr. Parker, while they were here, was anyone else with them? Hmm. No, no, the three of them were alone in the waiting room. Uh, my nurse and I were busy in the other room with another patient. Then that's it. While they were sitting here, they saw something or heard something. The killer didn't want them to see you here. Come on, Mary. Where to? I'll tell you later. Dr. Parker. Yes? Uh, call Inspector Faraday and give him the information you just gave me, but tell him not to do anything about it until he hears from me. All right. Come on, Mary. Let's grab an elevator and get out of here. All right. Back here, are we really on the way? What are you looking? At that door at the other end of the hall. Here, I'll wait for the elevator. Goodness sakes, by the name on the door, it's Esther Graham's old office. Yes. Very interesting. Maybe our mad killer is Joe Reed, and the three patients in Parker's office heard him say he was going to kill... Oh, no. Why not? Oh, just one little fact, Mary. Graham wasn't murdered. Still, Graham's office being so near the dentist's waiting room would put Reed in possible contact with the three murder victims. Because he was Graham's secretary? Yeah, I suppose so. But why would all three of them be killed? What do they have in common? They weren't witnesses to a murder or anything like that. No, but what were they witnesses to? You'll find the answer to that and you'll find out why they were killed. That's a great statement, Mary. Oh, I'm a great girl. My gosh, have the elevators in this building stopped running? Huh? Oh, what are you doing, daydreaming? No, day thinking. What can three different people from three different parts of the sea have in common? Mm-hmm. Well, let's stay with that witness angle. What could they have seen? Mary, I've got it. If there was another will cutting Reed out of Graham's first will, I've got it. Got what? Mary, it takes three witnesses to make a will absolutely incontestable. The three people in Parker's waiting room could have been witnesses to Graham's second will. If there, if there was such a thing, he could have been looking for witnesses, and walked in there. That's right, Blackie. And Reed knew about the will, stole it, destroyed it, and then killed the three witnesses. That is, of course, providing a second will existed. Well, how can you find out? As you say, it's probably been destroyed. I think I know how, Mary. Come on. We've got to get to a telephone. Who are you calling, Blackie? Joe Reed, Mary. Here's hoping he doesn't call my bluff. Here's hoping, too. Here's bluffing. Jorin? Yes? This is Dr. Parker. Who? Uh, Dr. Lester Parker, the dentist. I don't think I know you, do I? Uh, no, we've never met, but I think we should meet him soon. Why? I know something I think you should know. What's that? I know why those three people were knifed to death yesterday afternoon. Oh, really? Well, what about it? I think maybe we'd better have a little talk. About what? About why those three people were killed. Look, I, uh... I don't know what you're talking about. But I do. It's old man Graham's will. The three murdered people were witnesses to it. But I was too, in a way. I just didn't have time to sign my name to it. So? So I saw what was in the will, accidentally, of course. It seems you were cut off without a cent. Now, isn't that interesting? It is to me. It didn't mean anything to me then, but it does now. See me in my office at 10 o'clock tonight, and I'll tell you how much. 
Is there only one entrance to this office of yours, Dr. Parker? Yes, Blackie. Just the door to the reception room here. Yeah, well, that's good. He won't sneak up behind us, eh? No, if he shows up at all, which I'm beginning to doubt. It's ten after ten already, and not a sign of him. Maybe your trick isn't going to work. Maybe Reed isn't a murderer. But it won't be your fault if I can't prove anything. You're a brave guy to go through with this, Doctor. If Reed's the man we're after, he's a dangerous killer. Blackie, the elevator door just opened. Good now. Shh. Stay back from the door. Don't worry, I'm back. He's coming down the hall. I hear him. Take him into your office when he gets in. But leave the door open so I can hear. I'll get back at this desk now. Just outside the door now. Look, thanks. Hello, Blackie. You here? Oh, Faraday. Blackie. What are you doing hiding in the dark? Not trying to hide from you, Inspector. Turn on the lights, Dr. Parker. All right. I'm afraid our trick didn't work. What trick? And what was Miss Wesley's idea of telling me you were in danger? Skip it. Inspector, you know Dr. Parker. Yes, yes. Sure. Blackie, what are you up to? I thought I was up to grabbing your killer for you. It seems my suspect didn't come up to be grabbed. Come on, Doctor. I'll drive you home. Okay, I'll go. You come along too, Faraday. I'll tell you all about it on the way. That's the first portion of Boston Blackie. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now back to Boston Blackie. Well, thanks for the lift home, Blackie. It's all right, Doctor. Glad to do it. Thanks for helping me try to catch Reed. Well, looks as if he was either not gullible or too smart for us, though. It doesn't take much to be too smart for Blackie. No, Faraday, is that nice? No, just true, that's all. (laughs) Good night, Inspector. Good night. Night, Blackie. Night, Parker. Good evening, Dr. Parker. Who are you? You ought to know, Dr. Parker. You said you wanted to see me tonight in your office at 10 o'clock. You're Joe Reed. Marvelous deduction. Sorry I couldn't keep my appointment with you at your office. It seems so unwise. I don't like traps. Traps? Do I look like a fool, Dr. Parker? Oh. Oh, I see. You were afraid the police might be waiting in my office with me, eh? Yes. Do I look like a fool, Mr. Reed? Look, I can make a great deal of money keeping the police away from you. You can? Yes, as much as you can afford to pay. What makes you think so? What I know about you, old man Graham's second will, and the three people killed by what the police think is a madman. You think I killed? I know you did. But I think we can... Come to an understanding. What are you talking about? About keeping my mouth shut. You keep your wallet open. How do I know you haven't already gone to the police? I wouldn't be talking money if I had. 
Yeah. Oh, believe me, you're quite safe so far. No one else knows about Graham's second will, the one you probably destroyed. No one but me. Nobody knows, huh? Ah, only the two of us. Hmm. I'd be a lot safer if there were only one of us, wouldn't I? Now, look here. You, you look, look here. You'll see a gun in my hand, a nice, well-loaded gun. Too bad you kept this to yourself, Doctor, because that gives me a reason for killing you. You don't care how many people you kill, do you? No, one more or less won't make any difference. It's worth a lot to me. Yes, $50,000. Yeah, and I had a lot of time and effort. I had to wait till old man Graham died a natural death before I started. But when you're out of the way, I'll be safe. The second will's destroyed, the witnesses are dead, and soon you will be, too. You wouldn't be so smug if you just looked behind you, Reed. <laughs> Think I'd fall for that one? You're crazy. Glad you didn't, Reed. Well, I hope he's got a hard head. Nice work, Lucky. Nice work yourself, Parker. You couldn't have talked to Reed any better if we'd rehearsed for ten hours. Well, Parker. Yes? Did Reed outsmart me as much as you thought? No, I guess he didn't, Blackie. When he didn't show up at your office, I guessed he'd be smart enough to come here to your home. So we ducked back in here through a window. Yep. <laughs> I guess you could say uh, we came through, huh? It's funny how I knew Joe was guilty, Faraday. He irritated me. Every time I saw Reed, I saw Red. And that's Boston Blackie starring Dick Kalmar from June 4th, 1946, with three witnesses killed as heard on ABC Radio. Before we tune in to the Halls of Ivy, I want to remind all of our listeners about our website. It is Hollywood360radio.com. Hollywood. 360radio.com. Check out all the fun stuff there, including a podcast of this show. You will get all four hours of our Hollywood 360 show podcast at our website, although it is one week behind because we want to give our radio stations first crack at our radio show, the current show. But if you want to catch uh, the full four-hour show at our podcast, go to Hollywood360radio.com. All right, it's time now for a good comedy. This is The Halls of Ivy. Let's go back to June 28, 1950. This is called The Proof of Warren Going Blind. It stars Ronald and Benita Coleman. Part one now of The Halls of Ivy. Ladies and gentlemen, the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin presents The Halls of Ivy, starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. Welcome again to Ivy, Ivy College, that is, in the town of Ivy, USA. It's graduation week at Ivy, and like every small college, it has its own traditions and customs, which will be carried out by both students and faculty. With some, it's a time of gaiety and excitement. For others, a time of tears and sadness. For Ivy's president, Dr. William Todd Hunter Hall, it's a time of speech writing, conferences, and the disposing of countless detailed matters. But as he tells his English ex-actress wife, Victoria... It's amazing. Everything is going according to schedule. Not one major incident has come along to upset the, uh, the graduation cards. Usually by this time... Oh, good heavens. Did the cart topple over? No, it might have. Vicky, I have a message for you. From me? From who? Or is it from whom? It is from neither who nor whom. It's from me. <laughs> well, that's even better. I adore messages from you. Like, um, darling, please have my grey suit cleaned. Love, W. 
I do love W, too. <laughs> Good, but I... But I have to admit that this message has been slightly delayed. Due to a sort of baccalaureate fog around the region of the brain. The message, my darling, says simply... I love you very much, and will you be my date for the senior prom? Well? Well, I don't expect your answer by engraved reply, but after all... Well, I was just thinking. Dolly, does this invitation include a late walk down Ivy Lane? You mean Romeo's Road? That common lover's path which is frequented by, by intrepid maid and callow youth? Yes. Oh, we'll, we'll not only take to Ivy Lane at the first possible moment, but I won't even promise we'll walk. <laughs> well, good. Then I accept your invitation with pleasure. Besides, I've already bought a new dress for the dance. And it's the kind that one rarely wears when one is with one's husband. If you know what one means. <laughs> no, but I can hardly wait to see what one means. <laughs> I... Oh, oh, what time is it? It's almost one. Now, Todd, you haven't had a bite to eat. Do you have to be somewhere? No, darling, but you do. Bill Davis, the senior class president, will be here to pick you up about 1.30. It's very nice of him, dear, but he isn't my type. <laughs> no, Vicky, Vicky, you've been elected by the senior class to pick the winning tickets from the raffle bowl. Oh, I have? You don't seem very happy about it. It's quite an honor, my girl. Is roughly equivalent to to being chosen by the Deep Sea Divers Association as the as the girl we'd most like to blow bubbles with. <laughs> yes, I'm deeply pleased if you say so. Or oh, I would be if I had the slightest idea of what raffle you were talking about. The raffle of the faculty cars. Oh. Is it possible that you've been here all this time? And still don't know about Ivy's famous raffle. Yes, it's quite possible, because I don't know. Who raffles the cars, and to whom who do they go? Uh, uh, to whom who? Yes. It's something new I just thought up. See, this way I don't have to worry about when to put the M on the end of who. <laughs> it's simple, huh? Yeah, yes. Yes, it is, uh... Uh, simple. <laughs> I, I don't like to discourage you, my darling, but there are a few grammarians around the campus to whom your ideas might not appeal. <laughs> so, uh, I saved by the bell. I'll answer it, dear. Hmm. To whom who? From who? <laughs> Uvo? No. <laughs> Wellman, Toddy, he seems terribly agitated. Oh, I knew things were too calm and peaceful to last. Well, show him in. I am in, Dr. Oh. Hall. I can only stay a minute. That's good. I mean, it's good you found time to stop by at all. This is not a social call. I'll come right to the point. Dr. Hall, this, this raffle of faculty cars, it's, it's disgraceful. It must be stopped. But why? The money is used for a legitimate purpose. To defray expenses of the senior prom. I participated in it during my senior year at Ivy, didn't you? Of course I did, but under protest even then. I am opposed to gambling. Are you really, Mr. Wellman? I understood you'd done very well in stock market speculations. <laughs> market speculations? Uh, business investments? I, well, that was purely business, Mrs. Hall. Sometime, I'd like to have your views on the national lottery, Mr. Wellman. And, and don't tell me we don't have one every four years. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do I understand that you consider this traditional ivy raffle gambling? Isn't it? I'm sorry I wasn't here when the game started, but what do the winners win? I, I still don't know. The use of the faculty members' cars, Vicky, for the night of the senior prom. And the use of the faculty member who owns the car, our good professors, all reduced to the positions of mere vassals, being forced to act as chauffeurs for students who could just as well walk, who might better walk. Mr. Wellman. Yes, Dr. Hall. You are making a mountain out of a money-raising project. I, I have never heard any faculty member complain about this custom. Quite the contrary. They enjoy it. I realize that the amount of money that is bid on each professor's car might possibly reflect on the uh, esteem in which some of them are held, but I still I didn't expect that... you to be sympathetic with my viewpoint, Dr. Hall. I fully expected uh, antagonism, but I do expect to use every ounce of my influence to abolish this rattle, starting with this year. Goodbye. Don't bother to show me out. I can find the door myself. <laughs> well... He found the door. Now the question is, can we? <laughs> what an unpleasant little man. Is it true that he crawled out from under a flat rock, William? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we might say that um, uh, Mr. Wellman's presence at Ivy is due to the fact that the Board of Governors, in their search for executive material, left no stone unturned. <laughs> Has he any logical objection to the faculty raffle? I mean, reasonable. Mr. Wellman objects to everything, on principle. Especially if there's the slightest chance that the thing he's objecting to might give someone a little enjoyment. I suspect that in his babyhood, someone snatched his pacifier away. <laughs> and left him with lips permanently pursed. <laughs> uh, with him, happiness is just a thing called off. And the, and the only fun he ever has is seeing that no one else has any. Yeah, that's a masterly bit of character analysis, Doctor. <laughs> well, is there anything he can really do, though, about the raffle? Oh, not this year, anyway. He's starting his reform movement much too late. Mm. I wonder who'll win our car. Oh, no, no. The President's car is never raffled. Incidentally, I hope the service station brings it back pretty soon. It'll be back at 4.30 p.m. on the dot. Mal said so. Mal? Who is Mal? It's a, a new garage in Ivy. Mal's garage. I took it there to be serviced because I like those signs he puts up all over, you know? The happiest cars in town are maladjusted. <laughs> oh, good heavens. <laughs> Neurotic piston ring. <laughs> but if it isn't to be raffled, what does it matter when we get the car back? Well, although it, it isn't raffled, my pet, the president's car is always requisitioned to, to drive the student king and queen of the ball. And so are we. Traditionally, Oh, we... dear. Well, that must be Bill. Uh, goodbye, darling. Uh, goodbye, dear. And remember, a time-honored tradition now rests on your shoulders. Pick your winners fairly and squarely. No peeking at the tickets. Break clean as your hand leaves the bowl. <laughs> He's an impatient lad. I'm coming. Bill, I... Why, Professor Warren. Hello. Hello, Mrs. Hall. You and the doctor going out? You'll find William in his study, Professor. I'm the one who's leaving. Bill Davis is picking me up to take me to the raffle drawing. Oh, yes, yes. It's a wonderful custom. You know, ma'am, I'm downright silly about these old traditions. Mm -hmm. Just love them. They set Ivy apart from other schools. 
Make it just a little more than an institution of learning. I, uh, well, this raffle just happens to be my favorite. Yeah, I should think so. <laughs> William tells me that your car brings more money than anyone else. <laughs> Proves every year how popular you are. <laughs> you certainly are the belle of the ball. <laughs> <laughs> That's nonsense. Oh, they want me to drive more, right? But it's because they figure I'm such a doddering old idiot that I can't see what goes on in the back seat. <laughs> You're, you're making it up, Dr. Warren. Hey, you've been here a long time. Do you happen to know how this particular custom got started? I do. Confidentially, I started it myself. Oh, you didn't? I did, <laughs> yep. <laughs> when I was a young professor, ma'am, I was too poor to ask a girl to the prom, and ordinary stags weren't permitted. Well, I did own a horse and buggy of sorts. That was a long time ago. So I figured out this plan to get me to the dance. Oh. That's how it all began. Don't you tell anybody. A tradition whose origin is not shrouded in mystery is not a real tradition. Just a habit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how they get started. Yep. I, oh, there's Bill. I'll have to run. I'll see you later, Professor. Dr. Hall's in his study. You go right in. All right. Goodbye, Mrs. Hall. Well, good afternoon, Dr. Hall. Ah, Professor Warren. Your wife told me I'd find you here. Am I interrupting anything? Not a thing. Come in. I'm glad to see you. Sit down. Thank you. Well, Professor, I suppose you've made all your plans for the summer. You're going away for a while? Well, um, uh, yes. As a matter of fact, that's what I came to see you about. Dr. Hall, I am an old man, over 70. And I've been teaching for 50 years. That's a long time. Yes, it is. But it's not the length of service that makes a teacher invaluable. It's the amount of service he is capable of giving. Being able to transmit knowledge to young, receptive minds. Yes, there's a satisfaction in seeing untrained boys and girls turn out to be educated men and women. And in knowing that you've had part in it. Then your satisfaction should be unlimited, Professor. Oh, well, I've had my share of it. But there is nothing quite so useless or tiresome as a superannuated pedagogue. Uh, professor, what are you driving at? Well, I... I'm tired, Doctor, one of the reasons. Now with this academic year almost at an end, I'm going to call it quits. I have regretfully decided to retire. To leave, Ivy. Ever a man has earned a rest, Professor Warren, you have. But I can't tell you what a great loss this will be to Ivy College, and to me, personally. Hmm. When do you plan to leave? Tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, but, but, but what about the baccalaureate service? And surely you intend to drive the winner of your car to the senior prom? No, Doctor. <clears throat> I, I have to leave, particularly before the senior prom. with Professor Warren. He um, passed Bill and me on the street as if he didn't see us. And I think he was crying. I don't blame him. I feel like crying myself. Uh, hello, Bill. Come in. Hi, Dr. Hall. Is something wrong with the professor? Well, I... Yes. Yes, you might as well know, Bill. I'd rather you didn't mention it until the news is made official. Professor Warren, 
is resigning. Oh, Toddy, no. That nice man. Oh, my gosh. Oh, excuse me, sir, but, but he can't leave. It would be like, oh, but like yanking a cornerstone. He, he's a part of Ivy. I know how you feel. But now he has decided to part with Ivy. Uh, Bill, has anything happened concerning the senior prom uh, that might have made him decide to leave so suddenly? What do you mean, sir? I, I don't know what I mean. He, he just insisted that he had to leave before the prom. Oh. Uh-oh. That's a profound observation. Does it mean something? Well, Professor Warren looks forward to the prom more than anyone else on the campus. Yes, and from what he told me, he invented the raffle. Now, why should he want to get out before it unless he couldn't participate in it? Why couldn't he participate in it? Well... Maybe you haven't noticed, but he hasn't driven his car in more than three months. I know he thought it was his secret, Dr. Hall, but, well, you know how the grapevine works. A guy in our class has a brother in med school, and he heard it from a doctor in town. I, uh, I guess none of us realize that it's quite as bad as it is. As bad as what is? Bill, what are you talking about? The professor, sir. He's going blind. Oh, no. It doesn't seem possible. Professor Warren, going blind. A man who has spent his whole life lighting the way for others, now being inexorably taken into darkness. Uh, Bill, sit down. We, we must talk about this. That's the first portion of The Halls of Ivy, starring Ronald and Benita Coleman. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Geico presents eyewitness interviews with inanimate objects. This is Brian Bruno live on the scene of a recently flooded basement. Here to describe the event, a tube sock. So I'm curled up in a cozy pile of whites when the washing machine suddenly starts shimmying and shaking. Next thing I know, we're standing in four inches of water. Did you help clean up? Sure, but I'm just one sock. A tube sock can't help you with a flooded basement, but the GEICO Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call GEICO to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be. It's easy to get game day ready at your local CVS pharmacy, where you'll find everything you need to score and save big. This week only, 12 packs of Coke are 5 for $15. Select M&M's, Hershey's Kisses, and Starburst are buy one, get one 50% off. And 12-inch DiGiorno pizzas are just 2 for $10. Restrictions apply. See Circular or CVS.com slash weekly ad for details. Feel good? Save money at your neighborhood CVS pharmacy. My number two does not look like a number two. I don't know what to call it. Is there a number three? Table for four, please. Anything close to the restroom. Ugh, a middle seat with these stomach problems? That's my fear of flying. Sound like you? If it does, you could be one of the many people with a digestive condition called exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI. Even if you don't know what EPI is, you might know the symptoms. Frequent diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain. If you have even just one of these symptoms, you could still have EPI because not everybody experiences EPI the same way, which is why it's so important to open up to your doctor about all your symptoms. And the good news is EPI is manageable, so don't keep a lid on it. Go to identifyepi.com, complete the symptom checker, and use it to have a conversation with your doctor. Don't keep a lid on it. Visit identifyepi.com. 
Brought to you by AbbVie. With Zillow, you're not just looking for a house. You're looking for the kitchen where you'll bake your baby's smash cake. The extra bedroom where your sister will constantly crash. You're looking for a garage where you'll park bicycles, tricycles, and every mode of transportation. Except your car. You're not just looking for a house. You're looking for a place for your life to happen. And whether buying or renting, Zillow makes it easy. With smart search features, photos, and more. Zillow. Find your way home. The thought of winter coming can be chilling. Knee-deep snow, face-numbing winds, frozen fingers, temperatures below zero. And yet, without a Duralast car battery, it could be even worse. That's why Duralast batteries are tested to perform in harsh conditions. So even if it's 40 below zero, your car can start up like it's 72 and sunny. Duralast, proven tough and only at AutoZone. America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Your brain is an amazing thing, but as you get older, it naturally begins to change, causing a lack of sharpness or even trouble with recall. Thankfully, the breakthrough in Prevagen helps your brain and actually improves memory. The secret is an ingredient originally discovered in jellyfish. In clinical trials, Prevagen has been shown to improve short-term memory. Prevagen, the name to remember, now available in stores everywhere. Statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, Carl Amari here. During the month of February, you can digitally download Classic Radio's Greatest Shows Volume 1, featuring 12 shows including Sam Spade, Amos and Andy, Sherlock Holmes, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Gunsmoke, Inner Sanctum, and more. It's regularly priced at $19.99, but it's yours for only $9.99 via digital download this month only. Also on sale during February at 50% off is The Black Museum, Volume 1, starring Orson Welles in 12 True Crime Stories. It's regularly priced Priced at $19.99, but it's yours for only $9.99 via digital download this month only. Visit ClassicRadioStore.com and digitally download Classic Radio's Greatest Shows Volume 1 and the Black Museum Volume 1 at half price. In March, these two collections will go back to full price, so don't miss them while they're on sale during February. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com to order. And while you're there, download an episode of Suspense absolutely free as our gift to you. That's ClassicRadioStore.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, it's the conclusion to The Halls of Ivy, starring Ronald and Benita Coleman. And then we'll rock it off into the future on Dimension X from 1950. That's next time right here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.